Hello, people of the way. Uh, before we get started in our study, I want to urge you to be in prayer. Um, to be in prayer for uh, the saved and the unsaved. Things that are happening across the globe. Uh, pastors that are being killed. Women that are being uh, um, stoned. Uh, very, very perilous times. Um, pray for, you know, veterans. Pray, pray for veterans that are suicidal. Uh, they want to kill themselves again. Uh, pray for families that have lost uh, uh, loved ones in Afghanistan. And now they're just wondering, you know, was it all for nothing? And kids that, you know, all these suicidal thoughts coming into play and just be in prayer. You know, I teach from America. Um, and, you know, we see how strong delusion, it's permeating the lands, not just America, but strong delusion. It's going across the globe. People are entering crazy town. Look at what's happening in Australia. Persecutions in Australia. And, you know, it's, it's crazy town. It's crazy town, this world. And understand that this world is not our home. We're just, we're just sojourners in this world. This world is not our home. And these pains that we see and these pains that we experience, let it testify that it's not paradise. You know, the, the paradise is something that we look forward to. We walk towards, uh, we walk together towards, uh, but be in prayer, uh, be in prayer because the Lord, he moves, he moves. But remember, as you hear in our studies that the formula has to be right. You know, the formula has to be right in accordance to what the Bible teaches. We're living in a time where we see not just the strong delusion as prophesied, but you're seeing the church enter crazy town at a time when the world needs the stability of the, 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 the folks standing on the rock of salvation. At a time when that needs to happen, we don't see it happen. Now we see the landscape of spiritual warfare be in prayer. Be in prayer because just like we see in the book of Acts, remember how it always stressed there's no expiration date on the Holy Spirit? And we see how the Spirit moves in the book of Acts. And in the last days, how this Holy Spirit is going to move. But the formula must be right. Everything in accordance to the Word of God. Okay? It's very, very important to be in prayer. Keep your heart soft before the Lord. Take all your emotions to the Lord. Every single one of your emotions, whether it be joy, whether it be anger, whether it be rage, whether it be sorrow, depression, take it all 100%. Give it all to the Lord. Give it all to the Lord because His yoke is easy. His yoke is easy. And we're already starting to see what's happening is people are kind of losing self-control. It's understandable in the times that we live in, but remember, self-control is a gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, veterans who are angry and full of rage and they don't know what to do when they turn to the bottle, they turn to uh, prescriptions, they turn to drugs and all these different things. You're seeing uh, uh, widows and widowers, uh, they, they're just going crazy. Now, it's not to say that the sadness and the sorrow isn't there. It's absolutely there. But you must give it to the Lord. All of it. Anxiety, depression, everything. Pray hard for the persecuted church because it's it's not good what we're seeing. It is not get death on the spot. Uh, beheadings. Christians, you know, and, and, and Christians, pastors, 
getting text messages and emails saying, we know who you are, we know where you live, we know where you're at, and it's not a death threat, it's a death promise. Christians who are getting these messages out and not expecting to live beyond the day, not expecting to live beyond the week or two weeks, pray hard for the the saints because we are the family of God. And so, you know, we're going to have, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Holy Spirit leads us into more topical messages. Uh, but for today, we're going to continue our study through Deuteronomy chapter 3. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 3, open up your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 3. And um, here in Deuteronomy chapter 3, in continuation of our study, if, you list, if you're listening for the first time, we go through the Old Testament on Wednesdays, and then we go through the New Testament on Sundays. And very rarely will we have topical messages, but I fully suspect that we'll have more topical messages as we continue in these dark times, as we continue through these perilous times, these times of sorrows. Um, I, I, I fully expect there to be more topical messages. Maybe even, you know, we have Sunday and Wednesday, maybe even Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, every single day of the week. We have to be wise to these times, wise in these times. The formula always has to be correct. Always, no matter what, you and me together, yielding to the word of God and yielding to the leading of the Holy Spirit, how he guides, how he protects, how he leads and how he convicts as well, how he convicts the ministry of the Holy Spirit as we continue to store oil for our lamps in these dark times. And so we see here in Deuteronomy chapter 3, remember Moses is giving a historical account of things that we studied in the book of Numbers. Now, if you're listening for the first time and you haven't listened to our study through Numbers, make it a point to do so. Purpose in your heart to get caught up and listen to our study through Numbers. It's very important to have this base plate of the law as an understanding of what happens in future chapters through the Old Testament and even an understanding of the law in having an understanding of the New Testament as being new covenant believers, not that we go back to the law, but that we abide in Christ, the rock of salvation, and understanding that the law is a shadow of the things to come. It points to Christ. And so when Moses is giving the historical account in Deuteronomy before Israel goes to the promised land, he he revisits these moments in the past and understand that he's going to uh, mention these military campaigns if you will and in these military campaigns it's all in obedience to the lord when the lord says okay now you go fight you know in with egypt the lord took care of egypt but then to israel he says okay now you take care of this now this is it's it's still my fight but you do it as my vessels and when you see Israel's obedience to the Lord, that, that's when you see their victory in the Lord because they're in obedience to the Lord. When you see Israel in their disobedience to the Lord, you see them lose battles. Now, observe Israel according to the flesh because that's you and me according to the Spirit. When you and me 
are in obedience to the Lord, you see spiritual victories. I'm not talking about carnal, like going out to war and fighting and, you know, killing people and doing all that stuff. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about slaying in the spirit. And when I say slaying, I mean slaying demons, fighting the demonic realm, fighting in the heavenly realm, you see, against principalities, that kind of fight. And so we see here, you see these Prior victories, it's very interesting when you recall our study through the book of Numbers because these commands to go fight and these commands of the Lord, it, I'm doing my air quotes here, but it begins, so to speak, in Numbers 21. And the, there were prior military victories or victories in battle, but those were responsive where the battle came to Israel. But when the Lord calls Israel to go out and say, okay, now it's your turn to go out and fight. That's what happens in Numbers 21. And it's very interesting to note something else that happens in Numbers 21. It's when Moses lifted up the serpent. Moses lifted up the serpent and whoever gazed upon, whoever looked at the serpent was saved, did not die. And remember that Old Testament example of Jesus Christ, how John chapter 3 teaches us that as Moses, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so too shall the Son of Man be lifted up. You see? And we don't just gaze upon Jesus Christ. Yes, we look upon him, but at the same time, it's the indwelling. It's you and me abiding in him and he abiding in you and me together as a people of the way, saints of the Most High. You see, and we are saved. And then at the same time, just like in Numbers 21, you see, okay, now go fight. It's post serpent lifted up. You see, what about you and me? In Christ, the battles that we are engaged in and that come to us and that we go out to, what about these battles? Well, it's post you and me and Jesus Christ. You see, it's very, very interesting. Now, if you recall our study through numbers as giving a historical account, just like just like Moses is, if you recall these studies, remember Numbers 21, you see the serpent lifted up, and then you look at each chapter, and what else do you see? You see that, remember the pause that we had? It wasn't really a pause. I mean, it was a pause, but it was like a pause, like a little break of meanwhile, when Israel is over here, after the, 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 the serpent is lifted up, what do we also see? We see Balaam and Balak. And how many times do you remember where we, we would make mention of Balak as a type of Satan? You see? What about in our battles? You see? These spiritual battles at war in the principalities. You see? And then you see Israel's adultery and harlotry. And then after that, you see the second census, you see. But for you and me in Christ, that this is Israel according to the flesh. But for you and me as being grafted into Israel, I'm not a replacement the theologian. Those are fools. The replacement the theologian who, you know, they have their coalitions, they have their books, the coalitions. 
That's replacement theology. God, you know, they say, oh, God is done with Israel. The promises of God are not to the church and God is all done with Israel. No, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Christians were grafted into Jacob. We are grafted into Israel. Just as you see these laws in the Old Testament for Gentiles to be grafted into Israel, so too are saints grafted into Israel. Remember our study through Romans 11. We have an archive of that. Listen to our study through Romans 11. And, you know, if you're Calvinist or Reformed theory, while you're at it, listen to Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. You'll understand biblical predestination. And so you see this second census in Numbers, and that's the generation that passes through the promised land. But the same thing applies to you and me. In the faith, we die. We're born into Adam, and you and me, we die. We're born again. In order to be born again, the old must die. You see? Now that's very spiritual. Because the old nature must die. The old man must be reckoned dead. The old woman must be reckoned dead. That's why you hear us say from time to time, I don't care what your past sin is, what your past sin was. I don't care about it. The sex, the drugs, the alcohol, the whatever, the this, the that. I, I could care less. But what I do care about is your soul. That's yesterday. And every time we wake up in the morning... Every single one of us can declare with 100% certainty that yesterday is gone. I'm talking about today. And if you're not a Christian, you're not a believer. Let today be the day of salvation. Hit pause and listen to the message, how to commit your life to Jesus Christ. And you commit your life to Jesus Christ. Don't be unbelieving anymore. These days are treacherous. Jesus Christ says, I tell you these things before they happen so that when they happen, you might believe. And we're living in very prophetic times. Look at all the things that are prophesied that have already come to pass and much more will come to pass. Don't be unbelieving anymore. Get in the ark. Get in the ark. Our ark is Jesus Christ. The ark of our time. You see? And so we see here in verse 1, Verse 1, then we turned and went up the road to Bashan, and Og, king of Bashan, came out against us, he and all his people, to battle at Edrei. Now, this is a historical account, Moses. What's happening here is Moses, he knows that he's not going into the promised land. It's a little bit of chastisement for Moses because he's included in that first generation that must die. That's Israel according to the flesh. And Israel, according to the flesh, but the second census, it's symbolic. It's symbolic of the spiritual life being born again in Christ. Remember, this is post the serpent being lifted up in the wilderness. An Old Testament example of Jesus Christ being lifted up on the cross. You see? And the generation that looks upon him and believes on him shall not perish but enter the promised land which is paradise and so we see here in verse 2 and the lord said to me do not fear him for i have delivered him and all his people and his land into your hand you shall do to him as you did to sihon king of the amorites who dwelt at heshbon so so the lord our god also delivered into our hands Og, king of Bashan, with all his people, and we attacked him until he had no survivors remaining. And so we see victory. Victory. Now, 
Understand, remember, this is after the serpent is lifted. This is Israel according to the flesh. And for you and me, what about the saints according to the spirit? Victory in Christ. Now, I'm not talking about carnal warfare. Remember, our study in 2 Corinthians, the weapons of warfare are not carnal. They are entirely spiritual. And there's the external fight, absolutely. But don't forget the internal fight. The internal fight. What happens inside the mind, inside the heart of a man, inside the mind and heart of a woman. Now we see the the, the fruit of the Spirit. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5 really quick. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Now, we're going to read these verses about the works of the flesh. And every time you hear me, I mean, so far we're at adultery, fornication, this is verse 19, uncleanness and lewdness. These are battles. These are the battles inside of a man, inside of a woman, inside of a heart, inside of a mind. The battle of adultery, the battle of fornication, the battle of uncleanness, the battle of lewdness. And today, inside the church, you're hearing people say, oh, I have this habitual sin. No, it's a habitual loss. It's a habitual defeat. That's what it is. But why do we see these defeats? Is Jesus incapable? No, he's not. We studied that on Sunday. He's not incapable. Think of these fights. Think of adult, like so far, verse 19, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Think of them as cities. The city of adultery, the city of fornication, the city of uncleanness, the city of lewdness. Think of them as cities, strongholds. And you and me together, we have to enter these strongholds and fight and engage in these battles. That's what you and me have to do. And I speak individually. Sometimes, you know, I speak corporately to a body of believers, and I do that too. But I want to get deep down and personal with you. I don't care where you are. It's just you and me right now. These are cities. These are strongholds. The city of adultery, the city of fornication, the city of uncleanness, the city of lewdness. Now, in what manner do you want to enter battle? To fight. To get down and dirty in combat. In what manner do you want to enter these strongholds, these cities, these fortifications? I don't know about you. I, I, I pray this is the case, but as for me, I want to make sure that I got the formula right with God. I want to make sure I have the formula right with God. Everything in accordance to his word. Equipped in accordance to his word. That's what I desire for me. And that's what I desire for you. Remember, it's just you and me. We're going to go into these strongholds. The city, the fortification of adultery, the fortification of fornication, the fortification of, of uncleanness, the fortification of lewdness. And adultery is first. That's 
city number one in this campaign. City number one is adultery. City number two is fornication. City number three is uncleanness. And city number four is lewdness. And we got to go city to city to city to city. And victory is absolutely possible. It is not impossible. But victory only comes when you and I are obedient to the Lord. Victory only comes that way. That's how victory comes. You and I don't care. You might have little tiny noodle arms. You could be the mightiest warrior of all time when Christ is in you. And you are obedient to him in the word, obedient to the word of God. You might be the biggest man on the planet. Planet. You might be, have like, you know, muscles the size of a car. But if there's zero obedience to Christ, you're, you're going to lose in, in battle. You see? And for you and me, when it comes to adultery, I don't want to enter the town of adultery. And I don't want you to come out by yourself where I'm a casualty in this town of adultery. And I don't want me to come out by myself where you're a casualty of adultery. You and me, and I speak very personally, because guy number one, guy number two, guy number three, lady number one, lady number two, lady number three, they, that's between them and the Lord. It's also between you and me and the Lord. I mean, you and the Lord and me and the Lord, but I, I just speak personally to you. You have a choice to make. You and me, we're going to enter the city of adultery where many people fall. Many casualties have been taken. But as for you and me, you see? And then we're done with the city of adultery. And I don't, when I say done, it's not like, oh, we're victorious. Look how awesome we are. It's with the utmost humility. We're victorious in the town of adultery. Next orders. Now we enter the town of fornication. The city of fornication, which is another stronghold. You see? And the only way we're victorious is with our obedience to the Lord. That's the only, the formula has to be right. When the formula isn't right, that's why you see a lot of Christians, Christians losing battles. The formula is not right. And remember, I speak in an external fashion when I explain this, like we're entering the city of adultery, the city of fornication, uh, uh, of fornication, but it's an internal battle. It's internal. It must remember in first and then through. Remember, that's the formula in first, then through. You cannot be, you know, given over to adultery and fornication, fornication, and then start this external spiritual battle. No, that's, that's not the formula. You see? The formula is in and then through. And in, we have these fortifications. You and me, we enter adultery. We're victorious. And then you and me, we enter fornication, fornication. And then we're victorious. You and me, we enter uncleanness. And we're victorious. It's not that we're victorious. Look how awesome we are. No, it's our victory is in Christ. Because the battle is his and he is inside of us. You see? 
The battle is his. We yield to him, not the other way around. You can never make God yield to you. We yield to him. We submit to him. You see? And then we enter the town of uncleanness, victory. And the victory is in Christ. The ba- our banner is Christ. And then we enter the town of lewdness. You see? The formula. The formula has to be right. That's why. Do you remember our study in 1 Corinthians? Our study through. Now, if you're a new believer or a young believer, make sure you listen. Purpose in your heart. Purpose. Hardcore in your heart to listen to our study through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians because it will help you mature in Christ and it will help you understand the formula a little bit better, especially when we get in the topic of spiritual, not just spiritual warfare, but the gifts of the Holy Spirit because the formula must be right. Absent the formula, if that's not right, you're going to lose these battles. Internally, you're going to lose these battles. You see? It's not just adultery and that's it. No, there's a lot more. And there's more to what is written here. I meant what Peter says. This is the internal fight. And in verse 20, idolatry. Like another city. You and me, we enter the town of idolatry. Will we be victorious? Now, We've been victorious so far in this example. We've been victorious this far in in, in verse 19. We've had victory. Does that mean we're going to be victorious with the city of idolatry? Or can we still be casualties? We can still be casualties. It's not, let's let's obey Jesus Christ for a month. Take care of, uh, you know, the city of adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. And then, okay, we're done with Jesus Christ for a month. Let's become idolaters. No. No, we hold on to Jesus Christ forever. We abide in Jesus Christ forever. And then we're victorious with idolatry. Sorcery, the next town. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Now think of these as cities. Just as we study the Old Testament and you see, you know, Moabites, Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites. Just as you see that, consider that's Israel according to the flesh, you and me according to the spirit. Think of these things as those same fortifications. Idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, and he doesn't end there. Verse 21, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past. Remember, repetitive, repetition. The Lord has repetition in his word, and he uses his vessels who have repetition also. Why? Because they're yielding to him. And the Lord knows that we tend to make mistakes, and we tend to forget So there's a lot of repetition. I told you this beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see? So we go into the city of idolatry, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. And if there's no victory... If we go into the city of adultery 
And you and me, it's just you and me, two-man team. We go into the city of adultery and we lose. How is it that we expect to inherit the kingdom of God? If we enter the city of fornication, I don't know why I'm saying fornication, but if we enter the city of fornication and you and me, we lose. How is it that we expect to inherit the kingdom of God? When the Bible says right here in verse 21, those who practice such things. You see, what does that say about the habitual sin? Oh, I have habitual sin. I can't get this monkey off my back. I can't get this. Well, you haven't reckoned the old man dead. You haven't reckoned the old woman dead. Remember, light came into this world, but people love darkness more than the light. You see, oh yeah, I love Jesus Christ, but I also love my meth. I love Jesus Christ, but I also love the strippers. I also love the pornography. I also love the occult. I also like Buddha. That's that's loser mentality. And I don't mean loser like, you know, loser. I mean loser like we're going to lose the battle with that mentality. The formula must be right. Now we see in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. This is like the equipping of the saints. This is how we're victorious. When we enter these towns, when we enter the town of adultery, when we enter the town of fornication, when we enter the town of uncleanness, lewdness, sorcery, and selfish ambitions, outbursts of wrath, murder, drunkenness, when we enter these towns, what is it that we're equipped with? Now, carnally speaking, you can say, okay, you know, I got, you know, the AT4 on my back. I got, you know, full arms. I got all these weapons. I got the K-bar at my side. I got the bayonet. I got everything. You know, I'm fully loaded, locked and cocked and ready to rock. That's carnally speaking. That's in accordance to the flesh. Spiritually speaking, we are indeed fully loaded. But what are the weapons of our warfare? The fruit of the Spirit in verse 22 is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. This is how we're victorious when we enter these towns. You and me. I speak very personally. You and me, this is how we're victorious. This is how we're armed with the fruit of the Spirit. In verse 24, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we walk in the Spirit, let us also, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You see? And this is the internal battle. Just as we see these towns in the Old Testament, you know, the command of God, Israel, okay, now you go here. You know, now you go here. Now you go here and you fight. That's us according to the Spirit. And these battles with adultery, fornication, jealousies, wrath, selfish ambitions, that's that's our fight. You see? And the equipping of the saints, it's, Yes, to have this understanding of the word of God and the knowledge of the word of God and you and me yielding to him. But then at the same time, understanding that our equipment is entirely spiritual. You might have little tiny noodle arms, but the mightiest man of valor, the mightiest woman of valor. Why? Because of how you're equipped, how you're trained.
And you might have the fattest arm. And I mean fat like fat. I mean fat like huge. Like muscles like the size of a car. But weak. Weak. A liability on the battlefield. You think, you know, carnally speaking, oh, you're an asset on the battlefield. But spiritually spiritually speaking, you're a liability on the battlefield. Because it has nothing to do with the carnal nature. I don't care if you're male or female. I speak to you. And these are the battles that we engage in. Now, in these last days, it is prophesied that the heart of men will fail. It is prophesied. The heart of men will fail. The Lord Jesus Christ says, no man will be saved, even the elect, unless those days be shortened. Now, you and me, we hold the line. Spiritually speaking, we hold the line, but the formula has to be right. The formula must always be right. And then we can be victorious. Now, if you're trapped in habitual sin, I love you. I love you. You need to repent and listen to our study through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. The majority of times I've spoken to people that are caught in habitual sin, it's because they don't have an understanding of Scripture. They're babies. Now, in order to become, when I say baby, I mean they're a baby in Christ. Now, if you're a baby in Christ and you're born again today or like within a month, beautiful. Praise be to the Lord. Let's move on to perfection. If you're a Christian, you're a believer, and you've been a baby for five years, ten years, not good. Repent and move on to perfection. Listen to all of our study through 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And then you'll understand this concept of maturing in Christ, the danger of being a baby, and then you'll understand the, the, the spiritual warfare aspect, but then at the same time, how the Spirit moves, the Holy Spirit, how He works. The formula must be right. When the formula is right, and you and me, we yield to the Lord, and we abide in Him, and He in us, when that happens, there will be no habitual sin. It will be gone. You see? And all praise to the Lord. That's how he works. He, you know, before he started his, his earthly ministry, he was a carpenter. Don't forget that. And he does do good work. I'm, I'm very terrible when it comes to woodworking. Very terrible. And the Lord does good work. And I tell you from experience, the Lord does really, really the best work. The best work. You and me, we have to yield to him. Don't fight him. Don't fight him. You see? Anger, rage, sorrow, depression, joy, happiness, every, all the ranges of emotion. Give it to the Lord. People say, oh, you're so emotional. You're too sensitive. Fools. Stupid people. Those are the very things that help us in our intimacy with him. We just have to give it to him. You see? Oh, you're too emotional. You're too sensitive. Those are the stupid people. You see? These emotions. It's very beautiful when these emotions are given to the Lord because he works with them. He, 
He's the one who says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, do you think he's going to make it difficult for you? No, he won't. But there's a big problem in the church today with habitual sin. I like to call it habitual defeat. It's habitual sin, yes. But it's habitual defeat. Why? Because people enter the town of hatred, the town of sorcery, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. They enter the town and they are unequipped. It's like a little two-year-old child entering a hot zone, a war zone. Do you expect that child to be victorious? No. But that child needs to grow and mature, be fully equipped. And then, yes, it's a dangerous town, but that child is dangerous himself. That child is dangerous herself. And so you and me, I speak very personally and individually. You and me, we have to enter these strongholds of adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Why do we have to enter these strongholds? That's where the fish are. That's where there's fish. You see? And so we go in two man team. We enter the town of adultery. We enter as two. We come out as three. You see? We enter as three in the next town. We come out as five. You see? We enter the next town as five, we enter as ten. We enter the next town as ten, we come out as seven. Because I'm terrible at math, but three have left. Three stayed there. Three were casualties. And it breaks our heart, yes. But remember, you and me yielding to Jesus Christ, it's not just for a month. It's forever. We go into the next town as seven, we took casualties. We go in the next town as seven. We come out of the next, we come out of that town as 15 because the Lord has added to our numbers. Because we enter these towns, yes, fighting, fully equipped, but we also have our fishing poles. So you see how we're equipped in verse 22. We're equipped with love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control, and we're fully equipped. And these are, you know, the weapons of our warfare. But we also have a fishing pole. You see? Some have a fishing pole, some have a big net. And we go fishing along the way. And the Lord adds to our numbers. We go in the next town, we go as in this 15, we come out as 20. You see? We come down a little, you know, little banged up and beaten up because, you know, the fight is, it's, it's, it's not just a piece of cake entering these towns. But that's the manner in which we engage in this fight. And I want to make emphasis of this because a lot of times when we look at these passages in the law, we get this idea like, you know, instead of understanding that we are new covenant believers, we abide in Christ. And we look at these passages in Deuteronomy as new covenant believers, not to be seduced into the law but that we can understand what the law is teaching us in accordance to faith. And so let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 3. And in Deuteronomy chapter 3, in verse 4, 
And we took all the cities at that time. There was not a city which we did not take from them. Sixty cities, all the region of Argob, the kingdom of Og in Bashan. All the cities were fortified. You see, it's not a small feat. These cities were fortified with high walls, gates, and bars beside a great many rural towns. So now you see these fortifications of these cities where Israel is victorious. But what about the fortifications of the spiritual cities that I mentioned? You see? Very hardcore fortifications. Carnally speaking, carnally speaking, when you consider the stronghold of fornication and lewdness and adultery and drunkenness and drugs, those are very, very mighty cities. Fortified, heavy fortification, high walls, gates and bars and the warriors in those towns are big giants. Carnally speaking, undefeatable. Carnally speaking. You see, spiritually speaking, when you and me are abiding in Christ, it's not to be arrogant and be like, ah, oh, piece of cake. But in one sense, we can say a piece of cake because it, we're, we're not relying on our strength. We got the noodle arms. That's you and me with noodle arms. We're not relying on our strength. But it's that of the Lord. It's Him inside of you, Him inside of me, and we fight. Now, I speak internally. These are the battles that are waged inside the heart of a man, inside the heart of a woman, inside the mind of a man, and inside the mind of a woman. And when we... That's... One campaign, city after city after city. The next campaign is externally. When we're actually going out and, you know, I mean, there's the internal battle, the lewdness, fornication, drunken, lewdness. That's the internal. But when you and me not just apply that to our lives, but master it. And when I say master, I mean like all glory to the Lord. It's not like, oh, yeah, I've mastered this, like we're arrogant. But when we have mastered that in terms of it's been applied in our lives and you and me are obedient to the Lord. Now, when that happens, the majority of people will hate you. Christians will hate you. They'll call you a legalist. You know, oh, you're such a legalist. You're such a legalist. Why? You don't want to do crack with me. You're such a legalist. What? How? Do, how is that legalism? I'm just being obedient. I want to do crack. You're such a legalist. How? Tell me how. You don't want to get drunk with me. What? That's legalism? How am I a legalist? You don't want to get drunk with me. You don't want to go to the strip clubs. You don't want to go do the pornography with me. You don't want to do this. You're such a legalist. That's what they'll say. Let them say it. Look at the fruit. They're casualties. In whatever city they're in, they're casualties. Let the dead bury the dead. They're casualties. You and me, we're not casualties. We take casualties, spiritually speaking. But we have, we're equipped, the weapons of warfare, with our fishing poles. And we go in as two, we come out as five. We go in as five, we come out as three. We took some casualties. People who, you know, they were obedient to the Lord for a month. And the next month we go to the next town, but they didn't. They they, they liked the, the, the what was in that city. 
So they stayed there. And when you master, when we, you and me together, we master this aspect of the internal fight, then there's the external where the Lord says, okay, now go over here. I want you to go and minister to these people. I want you to go over here. Now we can help others in their battles. You see? With our fishing poles, don't forget, our fishing poles. That's that's the formula. Old Testament and New Testament. But you have to remember, Old Testament is Israel according to the flesh. Uh, New Testament, I'll say Israel according to the Spirit. And you say, wait a second, it's for Christians, it's for the saints. Absolutely, but we're grafted in. You see? It's not, you know, where where do you go outside and you look at a tree and where do you see the, the branch is supporting the tree? No, it's the other way around. The roots, the, the, the stump is holy. Remember our study about the stump? The stump is holy. The root of Jesse. And so when we look at these passages of war and combat through the Old Testament, we have to remember that us, according to the Spirit, always standing on the rock, never leaving the rock of salvation, never leaving the rock of salvation. It just so happens that we're going to study that on Sunday, Lord willing, because there's a big problem that happened in the church 2,000 years ago, give or take a couple years, of this seduction to take Christians and bring them back to the law. And this seduction is happening today. It's called the Hebrew Roots Movement. Oh, if you want to be obedient to the Lord, let's do these things written in Deuteronomy. Let's do these things written in Numbers. Let's do these things in Leviticus. Let's do, you know, look at the law. Look at the, let's fulfill the law. No, the law was already fulfilled. We abide in Christ. The Christian abides in Christ. It's deception. of One of many deceptions of the last days. One of many, and it's going to be amplified. There's going to... Deception upon deception upon deception, deception upon deception. It's going to amplify in the last days. And so we see here in verse 6, and we utterly destroyed them. These, these strong fortifications, remember verse 5, these fortified cities with high walls, gates, bars beside many rural towns. And don't forget, these are fortified cities. But don't forget, these fortified cities had a population. There were people inside. And so we see here in verse 6, And we utterly destroyed them, as we did to Sihon, king of Heshbon, utterly destroying the men, women, and children of Edis, every city. Now, does this mean that destruction is good? No. Understand that all nations and peoples have history with war, and war isn't pretty. It's not a pretty thing. Now, that's in accordance with the flesh. But what about you and me in accordance to the Spirit? The fight is very, it's not an excuse to say like every nation has its battles. That's not, that's not an excuse. But understand for you and me as new covenant believers. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. A little, little reminder because we've studied this already. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. What happens here is Paul uh, speaks about Israel in verse four says, for they drank of the spirit, that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. That was Israel in the wilderness in verse five. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became 
our examples, which is a model for you and me, a model for us as warning. These things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. You see, it's battle. It's the spiritual battle. You see the battles in the Old Testament. The same thing applies to you and me spiritually. The battles that happen inside of the heart, inside of the mind, inside of our culture. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted in verse 7 and did not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain. And this is when, you know, the correlating verse here is what we, in Numbers 21, when the, the Moses lifted up the serpent and those who looked at the serpent lived. They did not die. In verse 10, nor complain. That's the murmuring and complaining that we see in the Old Testament. What about you and me? What do we see in the church today and maybe amongst us? Murmuring, murmuring and complaining. You see, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happen to them as examples. Remember, it's a model for you and me, our examples. And they were written for our admonition, which is instruction for warning upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Sometimes people read that back. Wait a second. Does that mean I can lose salvation? Remember, once saved, always saved is a lie. Once saved, always saved is a lie. It's not once saved, always saved. It's once saved, praise be to the Lord. Now stay saved. You see, we go from town to town to town to town. In this example that I gave from Galatians 5, we go from town to town to town to town, understanding that at any time you and me can become a casualty in that town. Why? Because we like that town. We like the lewdness. We like the idolatry. We like the uh, sexual immorality. We like this, but no. When we're fully equipped and we have this understanding and this gifting, it's of the Spirit and by the Spirit. No, we belong to the Lord. We're obedient to the Master. Now, in the last days, you're going to see a defection away from truth. Where in this example we gave, you and me, we enter a town. We go in as warriors. We enter a town and we have our fishing poles. We go in as two. We come out as 10. Okay. And you say, wow, praise be to the Lord. But what's going to happen in these last days, the defection away from truth amongst this 10, there's going to be three that become apostate. They defect away from truth. And then we're going to be their enemy. They're going to want us dead. They're going to want you dead. They're going to want me dead. Spiritually speaking, absolutely. But in the last days, it will be physical. It will be literal. You see? That's what's going to happen. It is prophesied to happen. That's what is written here. Therefore, in verse 12, it's 1 Corinthians 10, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. It's not to be prideful and arrogant. Oh, yeah, we're going to go into this town and we're just going to take names like crazy. No, we're going to pray. We're going to have humble hearts and we're going to pray. We're going to go in with our little noodle arms, but we're fully equipped, fully equipped for combat. Dangerous environment, but you and me, we're dangerous. You see, we're going to go into town as two, come out as 10. 
We're going to go in the next town as 10, come out as 20. You see? We're going to go in the next town as 20, come out as 11 because 9 have defected away from, or to say 5 have defected away from the truth and the other, you know, the other difference, uh, and the other 4, they liked that town. See, now we have enemies. When people of the faith, they leave the faith through the deceitfulness of sin, as Hebrews 3 says. And now they, oh, you're such a legalist. How dare you convict? How dare you attempt to convict me? I want to do my crack. Let me do my crack. You're so mean-spirited. How dare you do this? You're so mean. You're such a legalist. You don't like me to get drunk. You're such a legalist. You don't like it when I go to the strip clubs. And look, I even invited you to go with me to the strip clubs and you don't want to come with me. You're such a legalist. You're so full of hate. Look, we're supposed to be unified. We're supposed to be unity and love. Yes, among the remnant, unity and love minus stupidity. You see, we're called to be loving. We're called to be gracious. We're called to be unified, but we're not called to be stupid. Now, Babies make foolish mistakes. You don't need me to tell you that. I mean, you see babies, they make foolish mistakes. They're babies. What do you expect? Now, when you're a baby forever, arrested development, that's not good. Because remember, the Lord cleaned house with using Paul in Corinth. Now comes the separation. Separate from anybody named a brother. It's a command of the Lord. The Lord doesn't want you and me to be engaged in this battle and bring leaven with us because he knows the leaven is a liability we're going to lose because of the leaven. You see? We have to understand these things as people of the way. And when I say the way, I don't mean the way as a church, like, you know, a, a building. I mean the way as the remnant of these last days. You and me abiding in Christ, abiding in the way, the truth, and the life. Not the way or the truth or the life. It's the way and the truth and the life. That's the formula. Well, an aspect of the formula. You cannot, if you have, you know, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm in the way. Okay. Is it way plus truth? Or is it way minus truth? You see? If it's way minus truth, then the formula is wrong. Therefore, there is no life. You see? It's way plus truth plus life. Or way plus truth equals life. You could put it that way. You see? It's not way or truth or life. It's way and truth and life. That's the formula. An aspect of the formula. But it cannot be absent truth. Never absent truth, no matter how hard truth hurts. Look at what the Lord is dealing with. Just put Israel to the side. Put the apostles to the side. Put the disciples to the side. Put the, the church to the side. And look at your heart. Just you. Look at your heart. The one who knows your heart is you and the Lord. I mean, other people might know your heart, but the closest people who know your heart are you and the Lord. Look at what the Lord is dealing with inside of your heart. And be honest with yourself. Be straight up. Look at what the Lord is dealing with in your heart. You see? Every single word. Maybe not every single word. But a, a large chunk of the Bible will hurt. Will be painful. But that's what truth does. 
it hurts. You see, the rod, it hurts. You know, if a child is spared the rod, look what the child grows up into. I mean, we have a generation, the millennials and generation uh, Z, you know, look at them. Look at the proof is in the pudding. Look at them. Generation, you know, Dr. Spock says, don't, don't discipline your kids, you know, don't, to spare the rod. Dr. Spock says, spare the rod. Look at the kid. Look at the fruit. Look at the kids. The messed up millennials, messed up, messed up Z generation. We're, we're, we see it. The, the proof is in the pudding. We see the fruit of it. Now, I'm not talking about beating your kids to a bloody pulp. But they need to feel that rod of correction. And that rod of correction, you know, parents ground, parents do all kinds of different things. But I'm not talking about, you know, you know, throw your kid up against the wall and beat him to a bloody pulp. I'm not talking that way. But when you spare the rod of correction from your child, you hurt the child. What about you and me when we read the Bible? Oh, I, I don't want to read Revelation. It, it hurts my little feelers too much. I I don't like reading, you know, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Too much division. I don't like reading that. It, hurt, it hurts my feelers too much. Well, if we spare the truth, not subjecting ourselves to the truth, self-inflicted, by the way, you're missing out on the equation. That's not the, that's not the equation. Remember, way plus truth. If it's way minus truth, that's not the way. You see? So when we look at these passages of Israel according to the flesh in their battles, never, ever, ever, ever forget our battles in Christ. Internally first. And then externally. A lot of times people want to do the external fight. Oh yeah, Lord, the Lord, I want to go save these these, these meth people. They're, these people are meth and you know, the, the, surely the Lord wants these people on meth to become Christians. Well, if you don't have the in part down, if you haven't mastered that, understand that Satan's a fisherman. If you haven't mastered that, I don't care what you know about. You might, oh, I went to Bible college. I know the Bible like the back of my hand. I know this. I speak the Aramaic. I speak Hebrew. I speak Greek. I know all these things. Well, if you've failed at combat internally, you will fail at the external combat. And instead of you bringing these meth people to Christ, they're going to bring you to meth. Instead of you being bringing uh, 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 the prostitutes to Christ, the prostitutes are going to bring you, you know, you're going to be their customer. Instead of you bringing the extortioner to Christ, you're going to be a, a partner with them and go rob and steal and do whatever. The formula has to be right. And so when we look at these passages, let's go back to Deuteronomy. We look at these passages like verse 6, you know, utterly destroying the men, women, and children of every city. People say like, oh, you know, wow, you know, you're a Christian. You think that we should kill men and women and children? You think that we should do that? No, understand that this is the flesh. You and me in the spirit. The adults, the children, the men, the women, kill them all. And I speak according to the spirit. You know, I'll give you an example. People say, oh yeah, I haven't killed anybody before. So they've killed the strong men in their life. But I'm going to let the children live. 
The strong men, the strong women, I've killed them. Spiritually speaking, I've killed them. But, you know, I'm going to let the children live. You know what that's saying? Oh, yeah, I, I, I've killed I've killed this strong guy over here. But let's just do these little white lies, this little white pornography, this little white text cheat, this little white occult, this little white Buddha. You see? That's not the formula. Kill them all. Spiritually, emphasis on spiritually speaking. The battle must be waged internally first and kill them all. Not, you know, I'm going to kill this this strong prostitute, but I'm going to let this little uh, 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 Buddha survive. Or I'm going to kill this this big uh, bale. I'm going to kill this big bale, but I'm going to let this little pornography live. No, kill them all, spiritually speaking. Because now you understand the casualties, casualties of war. You see, casualties of war, spiritually speaking. I mean, the world testifies of casualties of war. But I'm talking about a different battlefield, a different war, spiritually speaking. Casualties of war. And in the casualties of war, because people have losses and they don't understand the scriptures spiritually because it is spiritually discerned as we see in in our study in 1 Corinthians. Because they have these failures of combat, casualties themselves, and they do not have an understanding of scripture, a misunderstanding of scripture or a complete uh, twisting of scripture. Because of there's many false teachers out there and false prophets that speak on things which they ought not to speak. They come to these ex- conclusions to make excuses for their carnal nature without realizing that they're casualties of war and they're dead in these strongholds. Let the dead bury their own. Can these bones live? Lord, you know. Thus saith the Lord, speak life. To those who have ears, let them hear. In verse 7, but all the livestock and the spoils of the cities we took as but all the livestock and the spoils of the cities we took as booty for ourselves. That's the spoils of war. The spoils of war. And remember these animals and livestock, that was a form of wealth. But you see in the camp of Israel a lot of animals. Now, a large portion of these animals were also for slaughter because blood sacrifices. Remember, the law, the Ten Commandments, they were given three times. The first was verbally, that was rejected. The second was the tablets, which was rejected. Remember the the calf, the golden calf? The third was not rejected, but the third was not without blood. You see, the first, verbally, without blood, rejected. The second, the two tablets, without blood, rejected. The third, not rejected, but also not without blood. You have to understand that. You must understand that because the Hebrew Roots Movement, they always point to the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments, which is 
The Ten Commandments are part of the shadow of what, you know, on, on these two things hang all the law and all the prophets. Love God and love people. But they forget the aspect that the law that was accepted and not rejected was not without blood. Symbolic of Jesus Christ. The blood of the Lamb, capital L. You see? God's Son. Lamb of God. Everything points to Jesus Christ. And so in verse 8, And at that time we took the land from the hand of the two kings of the Amorites who were on this side of the Jordan. Remember, they haven't crossed over yet. And Moses is speaking to the people, speaking to Israel and as encouragement, as warning, as an admonition. Hey, don't forget the Lord, you guys. On this side of the Jordan from the river Arnon to Mount Hermon, the, Sid the Sidonians call Hermon Sirion and the Amorites call it Senir. All the cities of the plain, all Gilead and all Bashan, as far as Salka and Edrei, cities of the kingdom of Og in Bashan. For look at this, like look at these fortifications, look at these victories that Israel is having. And Moses is reminding them, hey, don't forget these victories. Don't forget the losses either. And why there was losses, don't forget that either. But here we're on victories. But the same thing applies to you and me. Hey, we're going to have victory. Don't forget the losses. Don't forget the victory. Learn from the losses. I mean, in a, in a combat scenario, I mean, you, you look at like military intelligence. You go out on a, on a campaign. You go out on a patrol. You come back and you report to intelligence officers. You report to intelligence officers. Not everybody. Usually it's like, you know, the, a command element. They go and report to intelligence officers. The intelligence officers, they, strategize with the commanders and they relay this information on patrol number two, patrol number three, patrol number four. So it's almost like, you know how like with machine learning, it's smaller or artificial intelligence, intelligence, it gets smarter. Like you buy a AI device and you know, it's dumb the first time you use it, but then like the 10th time you use it, it's like, it becomes easier. Well, because it's learning that that AI, I'm not advocating AI, it's demonic. <laughs> My personal position on the matter, it's demonic. You listen to the, what the heads of the AI companies, what they say about it. They call it like, you know, from another world. But I'm just giving that example of machine learning. Now, this learning, the same thing happens with like intelligence. Patrol number one, they might make mistakes. But patrol number two, because of the intelligence that they give, the first patrol gives from their report. Patrol number two, platoon number two, squad number two. They're better equipped because they have more knowledge. And then they come back, they report to intelligence, intelligence to work with the commanders. They develop their plan. And they say, okay, so patrol number three, they're more, it's like that concept of machine learning, except it's not machine learning. It's like, you know, human, human intelligence. But the same thing applies to you and me. The same exact thing applies to you and me. We're going to, you know, when we forget the losses, when we forget the victories, it's, it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing at all. But when we remember the losses, we reflect back, okay, why did we suffer this loss? Why did we, you and me, we go into a town and instead of going to the next town with 10, 
<clears throat> we come back out of that and say the fight is like, whoa, that's it's pretty hot and heavy in there, you know, that's that's pretty hardcore. We come back, we extricate from that city, and we do like a little, not just a gut check, maybe getting right with the Lord, but like, okay, let's analyze. Well, why did we lose this? You see? Oh, look, I got this little Buddha in my pocket. Well, there you go. You lost the battle because of the little Buddha. Why Why did we suffer? Why was it so difficult? Why did we not have victory in that city? Oh, look, I got this you know, little pornography in my pocket. There you go. That's, that's what happens. Then, you know, you get rid of all that. You get rid of all the, the pornography, the sex, the crack, the meth, the Buddha, the whatever it is. Whatever it is that's not right before the Lord in accordance to the formula of Holy Scripture. You get rid of it. We go back into the town. Victory. 100% victory. You see? So we have to remember this aspect of Warfare in accordance to the Spirit when we read these passages. And so look what happens here <clears throat> in verse uh, 10. All the cities of the plain, all Gilead and all Bashan, as far as Salka and Edrei, cities of the kingdom of Og in Bashan, for only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of the giants. Well, these are huge people. Huge people. I like, you know, like Shaq, he's like, you know, Hall of Famer, really, Shaquille O'Neal, really great basketball player, really great, great, dominant. This guy is huge. You look at all the play. I mean, basketball players are huge, but like you look at Shaq on the, he was like towered over these, and not just towered, but massive. Think of a people that you have to go fight, that we have to go fight. And Shaq is like the little guy. He's like a midget and, you know, like a midget among, among giants. You know, so it's like that. Now, I'm not going to get into certain theories about the giant. This isn't Nephilim. Nephilim that are, you know, in, in Genesis, it's Rephaim. But these are different, just big people. And we might come back to this at one point in the future. We may, we may not. But this remnant of the giants, indeed, his bedstead or the couch was an iron bedstead. So think of like you and me. We we sit on a couch and it can be like wood and it supports us. We're fine. We can shift. We can adjust and it can hold us just fine. But if this giant sits on it, it's going to break. It's going to collapse and he's going to fall to the floor. Well, these guys were so big that their couches, their bedsteads, they're not made of wood. They're made of iron. You see, and these are the people that dwell in some of these cities. So that example where you and me are entering this city of lewdness, city of adultery, of fornic uh, fornication, you and me, we enter these cities, which are strongholds, but there's a population in these strongholds. And some of these cities have giants and not to think of Shaquille O'Neal. And he's one of the little guys. You know, and I'm not, I'm not painting Shaq in a bad light. I hope he comes to Christ. And if you happen to know Shaq, tell him to listen to these messages and he tell me to come to Christ. You tell him. You be the fisherman. You tell him to come to Christ. Be a fisherman. Always have your fishing pole ready, your fishing net. Always ready to go. You have your, you know, your, your weapons of warfare, but always the fishing pole. Always. You see? And be wise. 
So when I, I give this example of Shaq, I pray he comes to Christ. I want him to come to Christ. I want to call him my brother. And we'll see what happens. These strongholds, these fortifications, for, for fortifications, they're, yes, strongholds, but these strongholds, some of them have giants. And some of these giants might scare the daylights out of you, carnally speaking. You see? Remember, Israel was afraid of the giants of Canaan. These guys are big. I got my noodle arms. You expect me to take this guy on whose little toe is the size of my head? His little tiny pinky toe is the size of my head. His, his thighs are the size of like two torsos. And you expect me to fight this guy? And what does the Lord say? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It was a command. Not just don't be afraid. It was a command of the Lord. Hey, go fight these guys. I'm with you. It's not you fighting. It's me fighting. You see? Yes, there are strongholds. But these strongholds, in the eyes of the Lord, they're not even like a blade of grass. They're, it's nothing. Sometimes people think in their mind like, Oh man, I have this habitual sin and I guess I'm going to die with this habitual sin. It's like, no. It doesn't have to be that way. Get a new teacher. Get a new teacher because you're not being taught right. The formula must be right. And you can be victorious. And in Christ, you will be victorious. And the victory isn't like ours to claim like, wow, look how awesome we are. No, all glory, 100%, goes to the Lord. And so, look at verse 11. Is it not in, is it not in Rabbah of the people of Ammon? Nine cubits it's, is its length and four cubits its width, according to the standard cubit. And this land, which we possessed at the time from Aroer, which is by the river Arnon and half the mountains of Gilead and its cities, I gave to the Reubenites and the Gadites. Now, remember in Numbers 32, when Reuben and Gad, they said, hey, Moses, can we just stay over here? We don't want to cross over. Can we just stay over here? And remember... You know, Moses prayed about it, but then, you know, hey, you guys can stay over here, but you have to fight. You're going to cross over, you have to fight, and then you can come back and, you know, these lands can be yours. You see? That's what, what we're looking at here, the correlating passages and numbers. We just studied that not too long ago. In verse 13, the rest of Gilead and all Bashan, the kingdom of Og, I gave to half the tribe of Manasseh, all the region of Argob with all Bashan was called the land of the giants. Now, we read this, Israel according to the flesh. I cannot stress it enough. I cannot emphasize it enough. Look at these passages as, I mean, I say it as a new covenant believer, but I emphasize it a million times deeper, a trillion times deeper in the manner of warfare, in the manner of combat. And the giants that you face internally and in Christ. You know, remember, the Lord 
to Israel, you know, Egypt, I got Egypt. I'll, I'll take care of Egypt. You just, you know, obey me and I'll take care of Egypt. I'm paraphrasing, and but in essence, that's kind of what happens. There's more to it, but you know, that's, I'm boiling it down quite a bit. Israel, you obey me, I'll take care of Egypt. God on earth, that's how Egypt was acknowledged. God on earth, Pharaoh was God on earth. The might of Egypt was like the might of everything. Like there's nobody stronger or higher than Egypt. In accordance to this world, there is the Almighty. And he took care of that. But then to Israel, he says, okay, now it's your turn. I'm with you. And the battle is mine. But in order for the battle to be mine, you have to, you know, I have to be in you. You have to be with me and then the battle is mine. If you're not with me, the battle isn't mine. Remember when <clears throat> the Lord gave the command, okay, go and fight the Canaanites. And the people were scared and the fear spread. And then the Lord says, okay, because you were disobedient, now here's here's the chastisement. And they said, okay, now we're going to go fight the Canaanites. Wait, wait a second. You're not, your heart, you're, you know, did the Lord change his mind? No. The people change their heart. And they say, okay, we don't want the chastisement. We don't want the judgment. So we're going to go fight. We're, we'll, we'll be obedient now, Lord. Because, you know, we don't like this chastisement. We don't, we don't want to die in the wilderness. And so we're go, we'll, we'll fight now. And then the Lord told Moses, Moses, tell them not to go. A different command. Did the Lord change his mind? No, the people changed their heart. Remember, the Lord is reactionary. The formula wasn't right. So now they're going to go to battle and the formula is, is wrong. Remember, we got the, the blue juice and the puff of smoke. And they're going with orange juice and no smoke. And they're going to go fight. No, what happens? They, they get defeated. They suffer defeat. They take casualties because the formula was wrong. And so we continue in our study here in verse 14, Jair, the son of Manasseh, took all the region of Argob as far as the border of, Gesh, of the Geshrites and the uh, Meakathites, uh, uh, and called Bashan after his own name, Havoth Jair, to this day. And I gave also I gave Gilead to Makir and to the Reubenites and the Gadites. I gave from Gilead as far as the river Arnon, the middle of the river as the border, as far as the river Jabok. The, the border of the people of Ammon. The plain also with the with the Jordan as the border from Chinarev as far as the east side of the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea below the slopes of Pisgah. Then I commanded you at that time, saying, The Lord your God has given you this land to possess. All your men of valor shall cross over armed before your brethren, the children of Israel. You see this armament, this armament, the men of valor. Now in Christ, spiritually speaking, where there's no male, female, slave, free, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile. I don't care if you're male or female. You abide in Christ and Christ in you and you obey. I want to go to war with you and not war like you and me fighting. I mean war like let's go into this town. And let's fight the good fight of faith and take casualties. Yeah, not take casualties, but like, I mean, we take casualties in, in terms of not we're on the receiving end. We take casualties in terms of like we're on the offense. And we got our fishing poles too. You see? That's the warrior class in accordance to grace. The weapons of warfare are not spiritual 
are, are not carnal. They are spiritual. You see? The men of valor and women of valor. Armed. Fully armed. In verse 19, but your wives, your little ones, and your livestock, I know that you have much livestock. Remember, they were blessed. You know, they, they had all this land, and they, 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 Gad and, and Reuben, they look at the land, they be like, wow, this land would be perfect for us. So they go to Moses. That's what's so beautiful. They go, they go to Moses and ask, and Moses goes to the Lord. And Lord, is this okay? The Lord, the Lord says, yeah, it's okay, but they got to fight. Can't get out of the fight. The fight is there. You got to go fight, and then you can, this can be your land. You see? He says, uh, uh, shall stay in your cities, which I have given you until the Lord, in verse 20, until the Lord has given you rest to your brethren as to you. So Reuben and Gad, they have to fight. And they also possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them beyond the Jordan. Then each of you may return to his possession, which I have given you. And I commanded Joshua, the next leader. And I commanded Joshua at that time saying, your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So will the Lord do to all the kingdoms through which you pass. You see, the next generation of leadership. You must not fear them for the Lord your God himself fights for you. You see, the formula must be right. You see these passages, when the formula was wrong, they lost. When the formula was right, they won. Victory. You and me, formula wrong, lose. We lose. No victory. We suffer defeat. We take casualties. I mean, on the receiving end of casualties. You see, when the formula is right, it's on. And I don't say that in an arrogant sense. But when the formula is right, look at how many times in our studies through First and Second Corinthians did you hear us mention the holy bubble? A little bit in Acts even. Maybe in some in Romans too. But you see this holy bubble of Paul. It's of the Lord, but Paul is a vessel. And Paul in training the next, next generation, not just of righteousness to the people, but the next generation of leadership, pastors and elders and deacons and bishops and ministry leaders. This bubble, that, that's, they have the formula. They have the formula. And when the formula is wrong, then somebody leaves that bubble. Remember when uh, Paul in 2 Timothy, he says, you know, only Luke is with me. Demas is left. Well, Demas, the formula wasn't right. The formula was wrong. I'll, I'll read it since we brought it up. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. In 2 Timothy Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Well, look at verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. But you, remember his exhortation is to a pastor, a pastor that he has poured into. This is Timothy, little Timmy. And he's pouring into little Timothy, the next pastor. Paul is dying. And he's pouring, he's, he's dying, he's old, but he's about to get his head chopped off. Historically, that's how he died. He had his head chopped off. Persecution. And so he's pouring into the next pastor. 
one of the next pastors. And he says to Timothy, but, but you, in verse 5, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand, fully acknowledging that he's about ready to die. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see, those he's poured into. It's not just Paul that's going to, you know, Paul's not just going to rejoice into him only. But no, all who have loved his appearing, that's who Paul pours into. He says in verse 9, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Damas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. You see, Damas is a casualty. He was in the bubble. And just like that example we gave in the going into the city, in these strongholds, spiritually speaking, we go into one town, we go into the next town, and some turn against us, or some stay in that town. Why? Because they love they light came into the world, but people love darkness more than the light. The church, since the beginning, has taken casualties. And the church will take even more casualties in the last days, spiritually speaking, and also literally and physically speaking. The Antichrist will kill Jews, and the Jews will flee, and the Jews will have protection, which you know, arguably people say, you know, Petra. Some people say in other areas. Me personally, I think Petra because when you read the prophecies and you follow the valleys and the flooring, the, 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 the valleys and the flooring, the, the topography of the earth, everything leads to Petra. And so I'm in the camp that says it's Petra. I've heard compelling arguments for other regions, but Petra follows the topography of the prophecies. Uh, and so the Lord is going to protect Israel. And when the Jews are protected, the Antichrist can't kill them. I mean, they're, they're protected. Then the Antichrist is going to put his attention on Christians. You see, that's prophecy. And he will prevail against the saints. It is prophesied. The church will take casualties. That's the literal, literal and physical aspect. Taking casualties, the Antichrist killing Christians. Oh, but the, the it is prophesied the Lord is going to protect. Look, it, it's it's prophesied here that the Lord is going to protect us. Oh, don't forget Smyrna. When when you read these passages, you know, oh, they're looking in Philadelphia, the Lord will protect. Yes, absolutely. But then at the same time, don't forget Smyrna. Don't forget Smyrna. You see? Oh, we're going to be raptured out of here. Now, the most dangerous the most danger in the church today is the pre-tribulation rapture theory that's the biggest danger and threat to the church today is the pre-tribulation rapture theory it is not biblical i know that comes as a shock but listen to our study, which is, when is the rapture? If you don't have it on a platform, contact us. Go to the church website. Contact us. We'll make it available to you. But listen to this. That's the biggest danger to the church today is the pre-tribulation rapture theory. Because the church isn't ready. The church is asleep. And so what happens is the Antichrist is going to put his attention on the church and kill Christians and prevail against the saints. That's one form of casualty. That's the literal and physical form of casualty. 
But then there's the spiritual form of casualty, such as what we read here in verse 10, for Damas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. You see? Apostasy, a defection away from truth. You see? And it's prophesied to happen, this apostasy. It is prophesied to happen. He says, and has departed for Thessalonica, Cretans for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is useful for me, useful to me for ministry. You see how beautiful this is? Paul, he's about ready to, to die. He fully acknowledges that he's about ready to die. And, but he's exhorting, like he's still in the fight. He's still fighting as an old man. He's still fighting, but at the same time, pouring into the next generation of pastoral leadership. And this pouring in, be watchful in verse 5. Be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. You see? That's casualties in the last days. Casualties, some self-inflicted, a lot self-inflicted. When Christians are defecting away from truth and becoming casualties because they're losing the fight internally. But then at the same time, casualties in the physical realm where the Antichrist kills Christians. You see? And so we go back to our study in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy um, verse chapter 3, verse 23. Now you see the heart of Moses here in pleading with the people, but he continues. He says in verse 23, then I pleaded with the Lord at the time saying, just, just as Paul, remember Paul pleaded with the Lord. Paul pleaded with the Lord three times to take the thorn, you know, the, the thorn, the, 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 the messenger of Satan was given to him, the thorn in his side, the messenger of Satan to buffet him, to beat him. He pleaded with the Lord three times. Take this Lord, take this Lord. You know what the Lord says? No. Very similar to what we see here in verse 23 with Moses, another leader of Israel. Just as Paul is a leader of the saints, you see Moses here as a leader of Israel. And the Lord, you know, I pleaded with the Lord in verse 23 at that time saying, Oh Lord God, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do anything like your works and your mighty deeds? I pray let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains of Lebanon. This is the heart of Moses and his desire. In verse 26, I love it so much. I, I love it. It's a little painful, but I still love it. He says, but the Lord was angry with me on your account. Whoa. Remember, Moses kind of lost his cool a little bit with the people. He was disobedient to the Lord, and in his disobedience, he misrepresented Christ. Remember, that rock was Christ. What we looked at in 1 Corinthians 10, that rock was Christ. And that was the rock that Moses misrepresented. And it came at a heavy cost for Moses because the Lord says, Okay, Moses, come here, step into my office. You see the promised land over there? That's not for you, Moses. You see? In verse 26, we see here, But the Lord was angry with me on your account. And would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough of that exclamation point. Speak no more to me of this matter. And I love this so much because you see the intimacy that Moses has with the Lord and that the Lord has with Moses. You see this intimacy, what we read in previous passages where the Lord speaks to Moses as he speaks to a man. You see that friendship, that intimacy, not just friendship, but just the, the beauty of that intimacy. 
But then at the same time, intimacy is beautiful. But then we as believers, we shouldn't just expect the yes. We should also expect the no. Oh, Lord, help me in this area. Oh, Lord, I need help over here. Lord, can you do this? Lord, can you do this? And sometimes he'll say, sure, yes. Oh, Lord, can you do this? Lord, I plead with you. I plead with you the first time. I plead with you the second time. I plead with you the third time. The Lord told Paul, no. No. My grace is sufficient. You see? Moses pleaded with the Lord. Lord, can I go? Can I go? Can I go to the promise? No, Lord, I, you know, look, it's the, the good. The, let me cross over to see in verse 25 to see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains and Lebanon. Let me go, Lord. Let me go, Lord. The Lord says, no. Enough of that. Speak more of, speak more to me of, speak no more to me of this matter. You see? I find an interesting dichotomy and it rings true for me. And I wonder if it will ring true for you. The more dead I am in Christ, the more I reckon the old man dead, the more I carry my cross, the more I am crucified with Christ, the more yeses I get from the Lord. Sometimes I pray and the Lord wakes me up in the like I'm in dead sleep and the Lord wakes me up gives me a passage and boom, I have my answer right there. Sometimes, you know, the Lord gives me an answer before I even ask. I'll be in the word, I'll be in my own personal studies, I'll be in the word, meditate and pray and I'll be in the word and I'll study and have this deeper understanding and then like an hour later or the next day, you know, something will present itself where the Lord already answered me in my previous studies. Intimacy with the Lord. And this dichotomy, which rings true for me, is, and I don't say that boastfully, I say it to help you, to help us as a people of the way. The more dead I am, the more crucified I am, the more I have the yes from the Lord. But the more carnal I am, the more no's I get. You see? The more no's I get. What you don't want to have happen, what you absolutely do not want to have, have happen, is for the Lord to be silent. That's what you don't want to have happen. That's not good when the Lord is silent. That's not good. But in your intimacy with Him, you might get the nose. Expect the nose. And when you get the nose, let that be a little internal barometer of Maybe I'm a little more carnal than what I... Maybe I'm losing in these little towns, these strong fortifications, these internal towns, these internal cities. Maybe I'm losing this fight. And the more dead you are, the more alive Christ is. You see? The more dead you are, the more alive He is. And the more aligned your heart is going to be into His. And you ask... Lord, can you help me in this area? Boom. No problem. Here you go. You see? Thus fulfilling what is written, ask anything in my name, and the, our Father will give it to you. Not, oh, Lord, can I, you know, Father, I'm going to pray and fast. Can I have a Lamborghini? 
Father, I'm going to pray and fast. Can, can I have a Ferrari? Can I have a mansion in Boca? No, it doesn't work that way. It's not the formula. That's You're not dead. It's not to say that the Lord cannot do it. But will he? I mean, when you... Like a baby will ask those things. Oh, Lord, you know, can I have a, a million dollars? A baby will make such requests. But as you mature, you'll deny those things. I don't want the Lamborghini. I don't want the house. I don't want the mansion in Boca. I don't need the million dollars. But Lord, I'm content with where I'm at. You pray for the saints. You're crucified. You reckon the old man dead, the old woman dead, and your prayer life is on point. Seeking the face of the Lord and your intimacy with Him. And sometimes the Lord will give you the answer before you even ask. Sometimes the Lord will give you exactly what you need before you even ask. Before you even acknowledge that you have the need for it. And your intimacy with Him can grow deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And sometimes you make a request and the Lord will say flat out no. Sometimes He'll say enough of that! Exclamation point. Speak no more to me of this matter. So, okay. Okay, Lord. You know, forgive me, that's of my carnal nature. This is happening. Remember, the Lord is reactionary. This is happening because of I'm reaping what I've sown in this area. You see, that's maturity. And that's maturing in Christ. Where Paul pleads with the Lord three times, Lord, take this, take this. I got this messenger of Satan to buffet me. The Lord says, no, I put that there. Because my grace is sufficient. You see? You can lean not on your strength, Paul. You can lean on my strength. That's there for a reason. And Paul pleaded with him, not once, not twice, three times. What about when you plead to the Lord? Oh, Lord, I beg you, can I have a Lamborghini? Oh, Lord, I beg you, can I please? Okay, not a Lamborghini. I'll take a, I'll take a Porsche. It doesn't have to be as lavish as a Lamborghini. I'll take a Porsche. You see? Now, in your intimacy with him, the Lord's going to flat out say, no, no. And praise be to the Lord. Don't, don't feel bad because the Lord said no. Feel good because you have this intimacy with the Lord. No, no, no Lamborghinis for you. No Porsches for you. It's not to say that the Lord can't do it. But how is that Lamborghini or Porsche going to serve the kingdom? His kingdom, not yours. You're... You're a servant in the master's house. You see? I mean, I say servant in the master's house, but remember we have to make this distinction between field and worker. You see? It's very important to make these distinctions as you and me together move on to perfection. What you don't want to have happen in your life is for the Lord to be silent. That's not good. That's not good when the Lord is silent. Not a good sign. And so we see here in verse 27, in closing, go up to, to the top of Pisgah and lift your eyes toward the west, the north, the south, and the east. Behold it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan. So the Lord says, no, you're not going to cross over, Moses. Because of your disobedience, you misrepresented me. And the Lord says to Moses, okay, you can see it. But you're not going to go. Even Moses, in accordance to that first generation, has to die. You and me, even us, in accordance to Adam, we have to die. We cannot enter the promised land without 
death. The first generation, Adam must die in me. Adam must die in you. And the next generation, you and me being born again in the spirit and of the spirit, you and me being born again, that is the generation that passes over. But then we have these Old Testament examples of Joshua as a type of Christ and Caleb as well, the fearless one, the fearless one who is of that first generation which passes over into the promised land. An Old Testament example of the generation that shall not die, the rapture of the church. You see, an Old Testament example of a future prophecy. Caleb, no fear. When fear spread throughout the camp, you have Caleb, the fearless one, this beautiful, beautiful warrior, mighty man of God. You see how beautiful this is? And we see these things in the Old Testament. We study these things in the Old Testament as new covenant believers. You see? In verse 28, but command Joshua. Remember, this is the next generation of leadership. And the Lord is telling Moses as the current leader of Israel and preparing the next generation, just as Paul, the current generation, preparing the next generation of pastoral leadership. But command Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him. You see? And everything in accordance to the blueprint. Old Testament, New Testament. Everything according, according to the blueprints of the Lord. And when I say blueprints, I mean the word of God. Genesis to Revelation. For he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit this, the land which you, will, which you will see. So Joshua goes. Moses, you're going to see it, but Joshua goes. You see? So we stayed in the valley opposite Beth Peor. And so Moses, in closing, when he's giving these, these exhortations to the people, telling them, hey, remember, we suffered loss here. Remember, we, suffered, we, we had victory here. Remember. Remember, the Lord is reactionary. Why did we suffer loss? Why did we have victory? It was because our hearts were right with the Lord. But the same thing applies to you and me today in accordance to the faith, in accordance to the Spirit. You see? And that's the exhortation of Moses. Remember, remember the Lord, remember the Lord, bind these things on your heart. And that's my exhortation to you, beautiful people of the way. Remember the Lord in all your ways, acknowledge him, honor him, praise him, worship him in everything you do. You see, the good times and the bad times. And we're presently in some bad times and it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse it's going to get darker and darker and darker and darker but look up because even this present darkness which will get darker is a sign of the events to come and rejoice because redemption draws near beautiful remnant of the way god bless you i love you